Let's do that. There we go. Uh, this spring, when I started uh, thinking about the patriarchs, and we started looking at the book of Genesis, like one of the, one of the thoughts I had that uh, really drew me to this book was actually this reality that nobody's life and nobody's family are perfect, right? Um, that some of you guys I know come from very difficult situations in your, in your families, in your homes, in your, in your upbringing. And, you know, none, it, it's really encouraging just, just that approach into the lives of these patriarchs. These, these patriarchs, we call them the fathers of the faith. And we realize as we go through Genesis that actually a lot of their families, they were really messed up people. And, and part of this, this whole story of these, these fathers of the faith of these patriarchs is how, is how God chose this family in choosing Abraham and, and his sons Isaac and Jacob. God chose this family. In fact, he set his name upon this family and, and through this family would bring about his purposes not only for this family, but for the world, which is amazing. And it's even more amazing when you consider how messed up they were. And uh, particularly when you get to Joseph, when you get to the life of Joseph, particularly the whole theme, each one of the patriarchs has like a theme of their life. So Abraham, the theme of Abraham's life is, is he's the man of faith. Right? He's not a perfect man by any means at all. But the theme of his life is God calls him from his home country and says, follow me to this land that I will give to you. And Abraham in the New Testament is considered the father of all those who are of faith. And so it's imperfect, but, but yeah, he, he followed God. Jacob, uh, I mean, Jacob is like this picture of a guy who God can use and use for his purposes, even though for most of his life, it just seemed like he had no business following God at all or claiming to be a follower of God at all. He was a wreck. He was a liar. He was a manipulator. And yet God saved him and used him. Like Jacob's life, I get the truth that, 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 that God's grace is God's grace. man. And Joseph, like the theme of Joseph's life, is this idea, and we've looked at it already, this idea of providence, this idea that, that Joseph came from this crazy family, messed up brothers, who did terrible things to him, and God brought about his purposes through that. And so we've looked at Joseph, and we've seen this theme that runs through Joseph's life is this theme of the providence of God. And we're getting to the place here at the end of this the book of Genesis where these themes are repeated that Joseph tells his brothers here in this passage, Would you, into, uh, you sent me here, but it wasn't you who sent me here, it was God who sent me here to accomplish his purposes. At the end, in chapter 50, he says, what you intended for evil, God intended for good. And it's this theme of God's providence that, that runs through Joseph's life, that he's able to, to look back at his life and to, to look back at the episodes of, of his life and see how God's hand was in it and was working through even those episodes of pain. So, so I've done actually three, this is my third sermon from the life of Joseph where this theme of providence is really focused on. The first one we did was we talked about how a mature understanding of God's providence can transform our suffering 
right, that Joseph is able to look back over the suffering of his life. And I believe to a point he's able, even able to, within the suffering of his life, have that suffering transformed by an understanding that God's working in and through all of these episodes of his life. I mean, in the life of Joseph, what that means is God was there. God was present when his brothers seized him. And he was there and he was present when his brothers threw him in the pit. And he, God was there and God was present when his brothers, he could maybe even hear them from the pit. In fact, later in, in uh, chapter 41, it says, we heard his screams from the pit while we were eating lunch, discussing how to kill him. God was there. God was there when they sold him into slavery. God was there when he served as a slave in Potiphar's house. God was there when Potiphar's wife falsely accused him. God was there when he was sent unjustly to prison without trial. God was there when he was forgotten about. A mature understanding of God's work in our world transforms our suffering. That was a sermon we did on that. The second sermon we looked at God's providence was how God's providence, a mature understanding of God's providence, can restrain our wrath. Right? When the brothers came and they didn't recognize Joseph, but there was a famine in the land, so they came and they bowed down before Joseph. They didn't recognize that Joseph was their brother. They thought he was an Egyptian official. Joseph had the motive, he had the authority, right? And he had the power to destroy them. And he was able to keep his composure because he was seeing God's hand at work. And today we're getting to the, this is going to be the final sermon on this effective providence on the life of Joseph. And we're going to consider one more benefit to the reality of God's providential rule of the universe. One more benefit to us, that, that is the doctrine of providence can provide for us fertile soil for reconciliation. Man, isn't that good news? That the reality of God's work in our world, and when we are able to see God's work in our world, provides a fertile ground for reconciliation. I'm watching a video with my little kids. Um, we do these Bible videos on Right Now Media, which anybody in our church can use. It's like a video series, uh, video library of uh, Bible studies and things. If you want to use it, go to our website. We'll fig- you can figure out, or just Facebook me or... I can give you the link. But we're watching these videos every day. I think we're doing First Peter right now, and it's about reconciliation, and the way they define reconciliation is making enemies friends. And that's a cool definition, making enemies friends. The doctrine of providence, a mature understanding of God's providence, His work in our world, can provide for us fertile soils in which, in which enemies can become friends. And this is illustrated for us in this amazing emotional story of Joseph reuniting with his brothers. So, this impact on Joseph, when Joseph, you know, he doesn't take his wrath out on his brothers immediately. He gives God a time for God to, to work within his brothers. And surprisingly, of all people, Judah, at the end of last week, Judah, at the end of Judah, the wicked brother, Judah, the faithless brother, the fallen brother, he's the one that actually stands up and, and demonstrates a sacrificial love that points us to the sacrificial love of Christ. Judah's great, 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 great grandson. And Joseph is overwhelmed by seeing that God has moved and changed and worked and transformed his brothers. And it sets the stage for this emotional 
reconciliation in chapter 45. Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him. He cried, make everyone else go out for me. So no one stayed with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept aloud. Can you imagine what his brothers were thinking? They still think he's the Egyptian prince. And he just starts, he just starts, everybody leave. And he just starts breaking down in front of them. Well, who is this guy? And he wept aloud so the Egyptians heard it, the household of Pharaoh heard it. And Joseph said to his brother, I am Joseph. 